If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 179 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on April 23rd. 2023, the second to last episode of the first month of the baseball season. Wait a second. Anybody smell that? Oh my god, it's disgusting. What the hell is that? Oh, that's right. That's the Yankee offense. (laughs) You know I gotta start yapping Yankees off on a corny note sometimes. My God, guys. Well, first off, it's Sunday night. It's almost 8 o'clock now at the time I'm starting this recording, so I'm starting this real late tonight. Had some company over the house today, spent some time, had a good time this afternoon. Now I'm firing this bad boy up here on Sunday night. I'll probably have this out to you by, I don't know, 11, 11.30, the usual time, especially when it comes to starting this late. <laughs> yeah, I just had to start off with a little bit of a, of a pun there because it cannot be stated enough today how this Yankee offense has dipped since we last spoke last Sunday, guys. What a week. I mean, on Thursday, they had a good night against the Angels. They scored nine runs, but other than that, since we last spoke last Sunday, it's it's been a rough go at it for the bats, man. It has not been fun to watch. Now, like, I'm not, like, overly concerned about it, especially given the current situation of the Yankee roster. You're missing key bats, especially, like, Stanton, my boy Giancarlo. (laughs) Uh, We were talking last week about how much that stinks, and they said a few weeks ago that they expect him to be out in that general time window for a grade 2 hamstring strain, and, oh, my God, it stinks. So they're, they're, like, six weeks or so, but, you know, even when he comes back in six weeks, even if that means after his minor league rehab assignment, if he has to rehab for a few games, you know, He's going to come back for a little while, and we know how it goes with Stanton. Whether you love him or hate him, and I love him, everybody knows that, but whether you love him or hate him, you have to admit, whenever Stanton comes back, he always takes a while to get back into it with his swing, his timing. So even when he does come back, the chances of him coming back red hot are not likely. So you're going to have to be patient with him for a little bit there, as long as he's ready for playoff time. That's the main thing. But, you know, you want him back for as much as possible. He's such a vital bat to the lineup. Like, I do subscribe to that mentality. Like, oh, yeah, as long as he's here for a playoff push or the playoffs themselves, yeah, fine, that's fair. But I also want him in the lineup as much as possible. It's Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, especially look at how he started the season. Uh, So, you have him out, even though you're expecting him to come back within the next couple of weeks like we spoke about last Sunday. You're also missing a guy like Bader. And I get people tell me, like, hey, Bader's not the guy that's going to turn everything around, you know, Mike. He's he's a good guy to have around, but he's a really the guy. I mean, he doesn't have to be the guy. I'd say Stanton is more of a the guy in that sort of category. But, you know, sometimes all you need is a, a player, a, a new fresh face that hasn't been playing this season as of yet, to provide that spark and start any sort of a little turnaround. Sometimes that's all it takes. 
And Bader can definitely provide that. He's an electric personality. He's been really solid at the plate in the time he has played with the Yankees since he came back from his injury last year after they acquired him. Throughout the playoffs, other than Anthony Rizzo, he was basically their best hitter. And, you know, we'll see what happens this time when he comes back. I have no reason to believe that he won't at least make some sort of a spark, some sort of an impact to maybe inspire the offense to turn something around, especially when you're missing someone like like Stanton, for instance. But sometimes that's all you need. And you'll get him in the outfield, and fortunately that means you'll probably have even less of a chance of seeing someone like Aaron Hicks make it into the lineup, which, you know, when he comes back, it's going to be even tougher to really ponder what Hicks's true role on this team is going to be at that point because, I mean, it's just getting slimmer and slimmer, especially as more people come back from injury in the coming month or two. It's just pretty puzzling. I mean, even lately, they've been putting Isaiah Kainer-Falefa still out there more than him right now. So it's just pretty confusing. But, yeah, the lineup has struggled big time. It has not been pretty. We're going to get to the weekly recap in a bit after we talk about some news, but, I mean, if you look back at the scoring throughout the week, whether it be the Angels series or this weekend series against the Blue Jays, on Tuesday the offense was dead when they played the first game against the Angels in the three-game set, only put up two runs and left an island's worth of base runners on and just didn't get anyone in. Even Wednesday when they won in the in extra innings in the 10th inning, only three runs. Then Thursday, like I said before, is the good day. They put up nine, and nine spots good. Nine to three, they won. And this whole entire weekend against the Blue Jays, just a collection of walking corpses. It's crazy. Every team's going to have their ebb and flow, you know, throughout the season with the lineup, with pitching, what have you on the team. But in the Yankees, to start, you know, the bullpen was looking awfully shaky. Now they haven't been doing too bad the last few days, I guess. But now the bats are going through it. And it stinks that when you also have the whole entire offense going through it, you even look to someone like Judge, the captain, and Judge has been in a bit of a slump lately. You're not going to hear me talking trash about Judge. You're never going to hear that. Not only do I love Judge personally, but if you're talking trash about him after everything he's done the last few years, particularly in the regular season, I know a lot of people care about the playoffs, and that's fine. But after everything he's done, you know, he's allowed to go through his slumps. He's still a human being. I think people sometimes forget that after everything incredible that he's accomplished. But he's going to go through it. It just stinks that it has to be now after losing Stanton and with the rest of the lineup in a slumber. It just, the timing of it sucks, but even Judge is in a slump. So it's been a rough go at it. They're going to have to figure it out. They did just lose their first series as of today in the final rubber game matchup game against the rubber game matchup game. Nice English, Mike. But in the final game of the Blue Jays series in the rubber game matchup, there you go, against the Blue Jays today. And it was just another day of lifeless baseball. And believe it or not, Clark Schmidt actually pitched a fantastic game. A lot of people will be quick to mention at the end, oh, he gave up those home runs. But would those have even had a chance to have happened if not for the error? The error at shortstop by Anthony Volpe. And I'm not going to put too much blame on Volpe. Of course, I mean, he does objectively deserve the blame for that, but I'm not going to be hard on the kid because not only is he still a kid learning on his way up, but Volpe has been stellar at shortstop, so I can't really get on him. It's just really hard and unfair to do, to be honest, but that did end up leading to three unearned runs for Clark Schmidt today and an unfortunate start to what was otherwise 
a really good start for him. And it's his really his only really good one this year so far, as we're not far away from May. But got to give credit where credit's due, you know? I've been really hard on Clark because for the vast majority of this first month of the season, he has been a disaster as a starter. I've been a strong advocate for saying that, hey, listen, I wish he would have taken that role of what the Yankee organization had said about him many years ago, and they envisioned him as being a really solid piece in this Yankee rotation in the years to come, and I think we're in that years-to-come time window right now, and he just hasn't taken control of it, at least not before today, but, I mean, I was just really disappointed in him. And what he was doing, really disappointed in him. And I was really just an advocate for him being a long reliever in the bullpen more than anything. But today he came out against a really good offense in the Blue Jays, and he delivered a really good start before that error happened in the sixth inning, and it all came falling apart after that. Allowing that go-ahead two-run shot to Vlad Guerrero Jr., and then a solo shot immediately after that to Varsho, and... That put an unfortunate end on, again, what was otherwise a solid start for Clark Schmidt. And no matter how much I've been advocating for his long relief ability, again, you got to give credit where credit's due. He had a solid start. But today's game, again, like I was saying before, which resulted in the Yankees losing their first series of the season, finally. It was just a lifeless game. They only put one run on the board. And that one run was basically baseball's version of a garbage time run, a home run by Anthony Rizzo on the bottom of the ninth when they were down 5 nothing. So the offense again does nothing, and you know what? That's going to lead to quite a bit of losses. Sometimes you could squeak out a W here and there if your pitching's dominant enough, but you don't score runs, you're not going to win games, and you're going to end up losing series. So listen... That's why I have some mixed feelings about this, because this was just the first series loss, and the Yankees were the last team standing in Major League Baseball. Not even the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 19-3 and now after today, undefeated at the Trop. But they were the last team in Major League Baseball standing who had not lost a series yet, and it's almost May. So that was quite an accomplishment for the Yankees, but inevitably, it was going to happen eventually. It finally did happen today in the final game of the three-game set against the Blue Jays in the Bronx this weekend because they just simply refused to hit. Even in the one game yesterday, when they won, they didn't hit at all. The only offense they had was an epic go-ahead two-run shot by Anthony Volpe in the bottom of the eighth to put them ahead two to nothing, only for Wandy Peralta to allow the Blue Jays to immediately tie the game in the top of the ninth in crushing manner. And then in the bottom of the ninth, thank God, because yesterday would have been an unbelievably gut-punching loss, especially after today. Another loss today would have been a gut-wrenching sweep at home to the Blue Jays, who have been desperate to start a rivalry with the Yankees lately with all they've been talking. But (laughs) even yesterday, it was tough. So that, that Volpe home run put them ahead. Then the Blue Jays were able to tie it off Wande Peralta in the ninth. But then, thankfully, in the bottom of the ninth, they managed to get a bunch of runners on base, bases loaded, nobody out, and even with four infielders, DJ was able to squeak one in the left field and win the game on an RBI single, and the Yankees got the W. So at least they salvaged a game in this series, but they did still lose the series, which of course is not the goal. As we always talk about, sweeps are great, but you want to at least win the series. That is the goal when you come into every single one, road, home, doesn't matter, you want to win the series. And they didn't do that this weekend. So again, 
not going crazy because it's only their first series loss and it is still just April. But there are some concerns with this offense because until Bader comes back, and I would say he's still about you know a week or two off, there's not much help coming unless the Yankees make some sort of a trade, which I don't see happening. But not much help is coming. And the rotation is still the way it is. Thankfully, Rodon's second CT scan in his back after he was having a bunch of back problems again. Apparently not too much to worry about, but you can never take the Yankees fully at their word until there's definitive proof. But apparently he had a second CAT scan, and his back is not as big of a deal now, but he's still a bit of a ways off, is Carlos Rodon. You have Severino now, who's getting ready to wrap up his pitching to live hitters, and then maybe in the next couple of weeks again some rehab games, but that vamp-up process is probably going to be a bit long. The bullpen, there's nobody really close to coming back. Whoever's hurt out there, Canely's a way off. Luiza goes a ways off. Who else? You got Trevino, he's a ways off. So just a bunch of pretty important names that you realize, you know, they may be on their way back and they might be making progress, but, you know, a lot of them are still quite a bit off and not much help is really coming. So the Yankees kind of just have to figure this out for now. (laughs) It's kind of tough. So... Again, I'm not crazy concerned, and when it comes to concern, particularly about the offense, that may or may not be what the social media segment's about later, so we'll talk even more about it later on in the show, but not a pleasant week for the Yankees offensively especially. They have definitely had their bullpen difficulties to start the year here and there, but now it's the offense as of this past week. It's almost like take your pick. Sound familiar? It's a theme of a lot of prior seasons, particularly last year, in the second half especially. But I don't want to say some aspects of history are repeating themselves, but they kind of are in some ways, a little bit. So all in all, not too pleasant a week for the Yankees. They managed to take the series against the Angels, yeah, but particularly this weekend against the Blue Jays, not fun, especially offensively, because they barely even put any runs up. Today's one run, again, was just in the bottom of the ninth, and they were down 5 nothing. So make of that what you will. Give that any value if you want. It's still a run, but how much value does it really have? And yesterday, again, even when they got the win, just three runs, barely squeaked it out after almost being a a potentially horrible loss. And then again, on Friday, 6-1 loss, so just one run. So a really quiet weekend. And except for Thursday, again, just a quiet last week, even last Sunday against the Twins. That last game we spoke about last week, they won 2-0. It's a win. A win is a win. You get a win however you can, and you take and you move on. But again, just two runs. So... I'd say since, you know, except for one day this past Thursday, since last Saturday, these last eight days, basically, not much offense. Not much. Not discrediting them. They definitely, you know, Thursday they put up nine runs. That deserves to be acknowledged. I'm not going to make it seem like every day was bad, but that is the only day. It's been really tough other than that. So they got to figure it out. Next up, obviously, is the Minnesota Twins again. Just got done with them not long ago, just last weekend. But now they're going to Minnesota to play them. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then next weekend, they're going to face the Texas Rangers, whose offense is actually really solid, and they're doing pretty well to start the year, believe it or not. So, But anyways, we'll get to all of that more so in weekly recap. But just a basically a, a brief piece of discussion about how difficult the last week has been, more so than not, I would say. Because, yeah, they did grab the series against the Angels, but the offense has been tough. Overall concern, especially with Bader being really the the main piece who's closest to coming back, 
I think Bader could provide a bit of a spark to maybe turn things around. And I believe in him to do that and to contribute. I do. But with everybody else not really being too close and with the way the bats have been looking, it's got to turn around eventually. But my, And because of the fact it's April, I'm not too concerned. But it's not fun. I, I'm not really vastly concerned. I can't really be this early on no matter what because, again, there's just so much more baseball left to play. Like, I do have my concerns, definitely. I don't like how certain past habits have repeated themselves. That is alarming to me. Like, alarms do go off in my head when this sort of a thing happens. But it's still so early on with so much more baseball to go. It's tough to, like, lose sleep over it, you know? Like, I'll lose sleep over it when it's headed towards the end of the season. Like, last year, when they'd started off in the season the way they did, and they were actually starting to freak some of us out with how they were playing in the second half, or I guess not playing, that was starting to... (laughs) That was starting to get me a little nervous. But right now, although I do have my concerns, it's not enough to drive me crazy. It's just too early. And not to say that these games don't count. This is also another point of discussion in one of the social media replies I got on last week's show. Not to say that these games don't mean anything. They definitely have value because even if there's more pressure to get things done towards the end of the season, especially if you're in a playoff push, you know, the games still all have the same value at the end of the day. They're all just, each game is one of 162. So objectively in that sense, these games are valuable as well. They all have value. But you also have to balance that with the fact that you can't win them all, and you're going to have your losses, whether they be just regular losses or really gut-wrenching losses. You're going to have a mix of everything throughout this long season. It's a marathon. It's what happens. But... I can't really get too nuts about it as of right now. Because again, I do have that sort of calm in me early on. Like, yeah, games frustrate the hell out of me. You would see, if you see my Twitter feed, you know that some of these games frustrate the heck out of me. Today I was livid over how the offense was just completely lifeless. But I get over it much quicker. And the objective points of view and the level-headed points of view quickly take over. Again, I'm like, you know what? There's still so much more baseball to play, and anything could happen, especially when the guys come back. Hopefully, a lot of these guys are not out for any longer than they have to be or were told that they're going to be, and that could help to turn things around eventually as well, but I'd rather it sooner than later. Hopefully, guys like Judge will wake up, because honestly, when it comes to someone like Judge, however he goes is usually how the lineup is going. And he's in a slump right now, and look what the vast majority of the lineup is doing. They're also in a slump. Even Glaber Torres has massively come down to earth. That's another name I wanted to mention. How about Glaber? I mean, it happens again. Ebbs and flows, like we said. But with how he came storming out of the gate, and now he has plummeted in this last week to week and a half since the offense basically died down. So when judging Glaber, like they've slowed down, I mean, a lot of the lineup did the same thing. Volpe's still finding his way, like we spoke about last week. I, I said this, and this week we have seen a continuation of this. I did say he's starting to look a little more comfortable at the plate, and you're going to see that start to turn into some results here and there. It's going to turn into results. And a bunch of times this past week, despite the rest of the offense struggling, Volpe has had his moments, particularly yesterday's big home run, especially. So you're going to continue to see that. And you're going to continue to see him get on base. He continues to walk a lot. You're going to see him continue to steal a lot of bases. It's going to keep happening. 
but the comfort level at the plate is there. He's just got to continue to keep putting it all together. He's still just in his first month in the major leagues as a 21-year-old. It's going to happen. He'll put it together. But the rest of the bats, like I said, Judge slumping. Rizzo's still doing pretty well. DJ's still doing well here and there. Ever since he came back from the injury, he's been he's been mainly fine, I suppose. I mean, he got the walk-off yesterday, too. That was a big thing. Even though he wasn't in the lineup yesterday, he just came in to pinch hit for Cordero. But Cordero even slowed back down. Willie Calhoun, who's been in the lineup lately, I mean, he may have had a good spring, folks, but Jesus, Mary, Joseph, in the ocean, has he been terrible. So, he's been tough to watch. And like I said, Cordero's been slumping even. Trevino hasn't been doing too much at the plate. He's fine behind the plate, even though Yankee catchers have been, you know, not many people on opposite teams have been thrown out on stolen base attempts, but otherwise he's been fine, I suppose. But at the plate, it's been a bit tough for him. He's he's basically hitting at the plate for the most part like he has for much of his career now. Oswaldo Cabrera, he's he's been doing his things here and there, but on the whole, hasn't been doing an unbelievable amount. Oswald Peraza, we spoke about him. He's actually been doing pretty decent. He's been fun to watch. He and he and Volpe were responsible for that rally in yesterday's game in the eighth inning. Peraza got on, Volpe at the home run. So the kids are here. They're doing their thing as best as possible, figuring it out. I hope Peraza's here for a while to stay, especially in light of the latest Donaldson news, which we'll get to in a minute in Yankees news. But like I said, yeah, the vast majority of them, except for maybe Rizzo, uh, DJ a bit, I suppose, and Peraza. Peraza's been doing okay, and Volpe's, you know, he's figuring it out. Not much else is going on. And like I said, when you're missing guys like Stanton, even Bader, it's it makes things tougher. And the inevitable elephant in the room, all of us talking about how we wish the Yankees added more to the offense in the offseason. A lot of the guys are the same. Yeah, DJ's back from injury now. Volpe's back. You have someone like Peraza up here. But a lot of the other names are pretty familiar. A lot of them. They, like We've spoken about this a million times. It's, 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 it's beating a dead horse at this point. Yes, they had to bring back guys like Judge and Rizzo. Kudos to them for that. But, you know, Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, Oswaldo for a lot of last year was here. Higashioka, Trevino, IKF, Hicks is still here. Donaldson, even though he's hurt, you know, he's he's around. He's still on the roster, and he'll probably be back if and when he's ready to go from his injury. Just a lot of the same guys. A lot of them. The main differences, the outstanding differences, are, you know, guys like Oswald Peraza being up here again, and Volpe being here, and DJ being back from injury. And those are differences, but DJ's back from injury. He was still here last year. He's a big asset to have back, obviously, when he's healthy. He's a huge catalyst in, his, in this lineup. I'm not trashing DJ by any means. I'm just saying that other than being hurt last year, he was still on this team. That's a recurring name. That's all. A lot of them are. And the couple of additions, particularly from the minors like Peraza and Volpe, especially Volpe, are welcomed. But a lot of them are returning names. And people are quick to mention that at times whenever the offense struggles like right now. Look at social media everybody's mentioning that. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are just quick to point the finger. They got to blame somebody when times are rough with any aspect of the team. I get that that happens a lot. But it's not entirely incorrect. I mean, you're not expecting an entire roster reconstruction. But there are certain names that you feel the Yankees didn't have to keep around and we're puzzled with what their role even is now. 
We went through all these names before. There's no sense in going through it again. We've gone through it a million times on this show. I've even gone through it on Twitter and everything. And yet here we are. You know, it's it's tough to ignore sometimes. And it becomes even more glaring when the offense performs like this, the way it has for the past week. And it's only been like a week, eight, nine days, something like that. Maybe they'll bounce back this coming week. Maybe they'll uh, have some energy jolted into them somehow, some way. But it hasn't been pleasant this past week. But I do have some updates for you when it comes to Yankees news. We are over 20 minutes in. My God, the time flies. I can't even keep track ever. Week by week, week after week. I look up at the clock and it's just like I'm talking. I'm like, holy crap, 25 minutes has gone by. So why don't we get to some Yankees news? We did run through quickly what some injury stuff was for certain guys like Rodon, Seve, Bader, Trevino, Luizica, Canely, Donaldson, Stanton. Bunch of names, bunch of injured names, because that's what the Yankees, you know, that's the same deal. <laughs> it seems like every year you want to talk about history repeating itself. Hello. This is the subject to talk about when you talk, want to talk about history repeating itself. But basically nothing really with the roster as of this past week, especially because things did not happen with Donaldson the way we all thought it would last Sunday. But things did not go as planned. So as far as the roster, things are mainly basically exactly the same. It's just really onto injury news and updates. That's really where it lies. Why don't we start with Rodon and Seve? Because those are the ones we're really we're probably eyeing the most. Really got to get them back to help the rotation out any way they can. But basically, earlier in the week, the Yankees revealed that Rodon's back was giving him problems again. In the last few weeks, I've been talking about his back. Uh, the way Boone puts it, barks at him. It barks. Him and his terminology. So... That was, that was some concern, even though they were saying at the time, yeah, it's not really going to be much of a setback at all for him. It's all good. It's whatever. Fortunately, today, they did reveal that a second scan was done to his back, and it came back pretty good, solid. So he's playing catch again since that cat scan came back good. So I guess Rodon's just continuing his way back, playing catch for now. Maybe throw some bullpens, and then he'll throw to some hitters, and then start to have live bullpen and hitting sessions, and then maybe start a rehab assignment. Who the hell knows when he's going to be back? I mean, the way they're making it sound with this back thing now, even if his latest scan came back good, it just sounds like we're not going to see the guy until, like, June. I was really hoping the end of this month, but we're really creeping towards the end of the month now, like the very tail end of April, and he's still just playing catch. So, I, I, I don't know, guys. This is what I'm talking about, the Yankee injuries. It's the same thing every year. And this is what I talk about. You know, like, I, I know they can't really predict any potential setbacks that take place during, you know, the vamping up process, whether it be just playing catch or in a bullpen session, throwing a live hitters or in the rehab assignment. They can't predict when a setback's going to take place or if it's going to go as planned. I understand that. But it, it's just the same thing. <laughs> you could just never rely on the news because you're... You're relying on it. At the very beginning, when he and Sevy got hurt, it was almost certain they were saying, you know, we're really eyeing the end of April. And then now we're here, and it's just being pushed off. It's just when these injuries happen each year, it's just it happens constantly. So it's just hard to believe it. It's not because we enjoy ragging on the Yankees or we're, we're clowning them in, in any sort of way. I mean, some people are. I'm not doing that. I'm just 
telling you what history has done. <laughs> it's just the same thing every year with this sort of a thing. It just does not go according to plan a lot of the time. A lot of this stuff is touch and go, hard to predict, I know. But after a while, you can't help but notice a pattern. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Anyways, Rodon still seems to be a bit of a ways off. Maybe he'll make his way back some point in May. But the way they're making it sound, I mean, the guy only had, what was it, an innings worth of a spring training start. So after all of this and then throwing live hitters, throwing bullpens, throwing live hitters, doing a rehab assignment, the rehab assignment's going to be longer because he's basically starting from zero virtually since he had little to no spring at all. So in my opinion, you're looking at closer to June, if you're asking me. Late May, maybe? Seve sounds like he's a bit closer than him because at least Seve's continued to throw to batters and he's going to continue his live sessions as of now. So he's been pitching to guys. He's thrown from a mound and he's he's using his regular stuff. He's thrown to his full potential right now. But I'd say that even he's still a few weeks away, probably sooner than Rodon, but still a bit of a ways off because he's going to have to have a bit of a ramp up process. He had more of a spring training than Rodon did. He had many more starts in spring training, but he got roughed up in spring training. Remember, everybody was like speculating, like, is Severino okay? Like, he's been a disaster in spring training. And yeah, he wasn't He wasn't good. He was allowing a lot of runs here and there. But I don't usually let that sort of thing get to me in spring training because, I mean, it's just spring training. Turned out something was wrong, though. So obviously he's been out since then. He did have more of a spring training than Rodon, so maybe he won't have to have quite as much of a ramp-up process as him. He probably still should have one, though, because he hasn't pitched in spring training. That's it's probably about a month ago now. So Boone did say that he want they want him around the 70 to 80 pitch range by the time he's ready, so you have to ramp him up a little bit. So if I had to say which one's closer to coming back, I would definitely say Seve, but probably still a few weeks. I'd say at least until... I don't know, like May 20th-ish, something around there, mid to late May. And then I'd say Rodon, like at the tail end of May, start of June. It's, it's not ideal. Yankee rotation has had to make do for quite some time now, almost a full month, and I think it's going to be some time until they even get one guy back. I'm almost certain at this point, based on the trajectory and who's done more at this point, that it's going to be Seve, but we'll see. As far as the bullpen, which has definitely had its rough days since the start of the season, no doubt about that. We'll start off with Lou Trevino, I guess. He's still a ways off despite doing some throwing. He's been throwing for some time now, but he's still he's still not going to be back for a while, Trevino. They, it just, they don't seem very optimistic about him. I guess his problem was, was pretty dire. So they're saying he may, he's May or June. They don't, they don't even really know. Lewisica, that's my boy, again, last week, you know how upset I am, it seems like an annual thing, like it's like a, a give or take a month IL stint, more or less, you could bet on it every year, give or take, which is a shame because I think he has just about the most talent of anybody in that bullpen, but he's playing catch, but he's still potentially a few weeks off before he can even get into an official minor league rehab assignment, so, you know, a few weeks, Maybe got a few outings in the minor leagues. That's maybe about another week. <laughs> so, yeah, like I've said the last week or two, still the same thing. Loisica is really not coming back much of any time soon. Canely's a ways off too. 
I mean, he's had a lot of problems with that bicep tendonitis. He got those shots for it to help the pain subside and hopefully help him to continue throwing. And this week, he's apparently expecting to throw from a bullpen mound, so maybe he'll start throwing again. Hopefully, the bicep tendonitis doesn't give him any trouble after that. Otherwise, (laughs) heading into May, after just, you know, riding this thing out and it's still giving you trouble, it's not going to be looking good for Tommy. Really not. I mean, you have to ask yourself, did, did Cashman acquire him when he was already injured and, and, like, they just didn't do their research into that? Because it wouldn't be the first time they've acquired someone who was already hurt within the last year. <laughs> it would not even be the second time. <laughs> Cashman's had a habit of doing this at times. He acquired Bader injured. You cannot tell me that Montas was completely healthy when he first came here. I think he himself even even said that he was fighting through it. And now, it's looking awfully suspect with Canely too. So, that's that's when people ask themselves, like, does this team do their research before they make their moves? Like, one must ask themselves. It's not a ridiculous question. <laughs> I mean, maybe they do, and they just take an optimistic stance and say, hey, maybe it won't be that bad, and then they just end up getting bitten in the ass. But either way, it's not a good look when this thing continues to happen. More than once, more than twice, even possibly more than three times within a few months. (laughs) Not ideal. And then you have Donaldson. Like I said, him, his thing getting thrown off course, his progress, is really what kept the roster mainly the same this past week. Remember when we were talking about last week when Donaldson was expected to play his minor league rehab game on Tuesday in AA? And then he was expected to be activated possibly even as early as Wednesday. Just one game was really all he needed, or they hoped that he needed. And then Perazzo would probably be sent right back down just a few days right after he was brought back up. Well, it turns out that in his game, in double A, his hamstring was giving him trouble again. So at this point, the Yankees don't even know when Donaldson's going to be back. He is now shut down indefinitely. And whenever you hear the word indefinitely... That certainly means no time soon. It's basically just waiting it out to see when the hamstring stops giving him trouble, then maybe start having him do some dry swings again, maybe some swings underwater, hitting off a tee, hitting off a pitcher, you know, just just working through the progress, just building, 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 maybe getting in another couple of rehab games in the minor leagues, depending on how much longer he's out now, he might need more than just a couple of rehab games. So just indefinitely is the word. That's what they've used when talking about Donaldson now. So that's not good for him. Now, listen, I don't want (laughs) to... I truly don't take pleasure in kicking a guy who's down already. I don't. I don't want to do it. But as someone who has taken a stance on Donaldson since the moment that Minnesota trade was made and has been called ridiculous for it, has been told, oh, there's no way you could have predicted this, even though I literally have tweets that said at the time that I was just uneasy about getting Donaldson, who's only getting older. Yes, even though the very season prior to that in 21, he actually had a good year, I just, I felt uneasy about it. And I have bookmarked tweets to prove it. So as someone who took this stance pretty early on, I mean, the stance more so in that trade was 
more so on IKF, no doubt. But I even had my uneasiness about Donaldson. Only a year older. I, I just didn't think it was going to be a good fit here. I didn't. My concerns mainly were a year older, so that could always result, you never know, even though it hadn't yet, it could always result in some sort of a downturn, whether it be in the field, with the bat, whatever. Or he could just continue getting hurt. Now, when I said that I didn't expect him to... I didn't expect him to crash as hard as he did on offense. That just made my prediction look even better, to be honest. Not that I wanted to. I wanted him to do well. He plays for the Yankees. I want anybody in the Yankees to do well because them doing well means the team does well. And I want my team to win. That goes without saying. I can't tell you how many times I've had to say this just for the people who cannot comprehend out there. But I got to... I got to take my W here, guys. I'm sorry. From day one, I said, just a bit uneasy. Again, even though I didn't predict him falling this hard, particularly offensively, because with the glove, he's been fine. But with the bat, I had my uneasy feelings. I didn't like his injury history. And yet last year, he did what he did with the bat, or I guess didn't do what he, you know, what he should have done. Didn't do much. And now this year, he's been conquered by injury here early on. That's all I'm going to say. Because I, I don't I don't enjoy taking my W's when it means the Yankees taking an L. I don't want to do it. But when it happens, I'm going to acknowledge it because of the people out there accusing me of, you know, you know, you couldn't have predicted that. Or, you know, that that's that's BS. There's no way you, you said that. I, I have tweets to say it. So if you're going to talk to me that way and accuse me of knowing nothing, then... When something does happen, even if it's unfortunately at the expense of my team's success, I'm going to mention it. I'm sorry if you don't like that. But I'm just, I guess I'm just responding to the big mouths, which I shouldn't even waste my time with. But, you know what? I wish Donaldson was successful here. I really do. Because the Yankees are just constantly insistent on playing him whenever he's healthy. So he's the guy whenever he's out there. So if that's going to be the case, if they're just going to force feed, even when it's not what's better for the team, you obviously just got to hope the guy does well. Even if it drives you nuts to watch him play internally, at least for me, I'm like, God almighty, why can't he just do well? Because the Yankees won't sit him. So you hope he does well. And I did. But there comes a time where you can't ignore a prediction that you made that you took a lot of flack for. Sometimes you just got to take your W. So, so I, you know, I never want to see a guy get hurt. This is not the way that I want Donaldson to prove a point. Even if it's my point that I'm defending. But I'm just saying, I didn't like his injury history from the moment that trade happened. In the 2021 into 2022 offseason. I didn't like it. And here we are starting 2023 with him being conquered by this hamstring problem. And again, even though it sucks because it has to come as a result of an injury, because I never want to see anybody get hurt, no matter how I, f- how I feel about them as a player, as a person, regardless, I don't want to see someone get hurt. Him being out objectively is not that big of a loss to the offense. And in that same breath, one thing that I could say that is positive as a result of this is that Peraza gets to stick around. I... Made sure to tweet this out for the people who inevitably 
want, probably wanted to write that comment right after I said this on Twitter, attacking me like, oh, how dare, what are you wishing an injury on Donaldson just so Peraza could stay here? That's not the case. I'm not saying I want anyone hurt. Again, I don't root for injury. <laughs> I don't. But if it's to happen, you should be able to objectively say, hey, listen, at least there is a positive that comes out of that happening. And it's that a kid who deserved to be up here from the beginning had the Yankees done things right by their roster. He is getting another chance to be up here and prove why he belongs here. And for that, I'm happy because I want Peraza to get his shot. I'm not happy that anybody's hurt. I'm happy that Peraza gets his shot. So, I know there are still going to be people out there who are incapable of understanding that and are just finding a reason to be bothered and go at me saying, oh, you heartless SOB, you're just, you're happy that Donaldson's hurt, you root for injury for someone on your own team, you're a scumbag. I, I'm, I'm ready for it, whatever. That's not what I'm saying, but if that's what you want to take from this, then take it, whatever. <laughs> Have fun, I guess. But all I'm saying is that, in my opinion, it's a plus that Peraza, as a result, gets to spend some time up here. And he's even spent some time at third base. It looked pretty good down there. So now you got him at third, Volpe at short, and Glaber at second. It's pretty cool. So that's the deal. Donaldson, unfortunately unfortunately for him, his progress got derailed. He's very upset about it, that he has to stay out for a while longer. It is indefinite, so who knows when he's going to be back. And Peraza gets to stay for now. The last real injury update I got for you is Harrison Bader. Spoke about him a lot. Last week we said he was about a week or two from coming back. I'd say he's still around there, maybe a, a bit shorter, because now he has officially at least begun his rehab assignment in A with the Somerset Patriots. And, I mean, he said how thrilled he is to be coming back. I, I personally can't wait for the guy. That's why I think, like, while Bader isn't the guy to, like, rejuvenate an entire team and be like the leader of a whole team. He's a good spark plug. His personality could provide that. He has a lot of exciting and thrilling moments with the bat, especially when he's played here, especially in the playoffs on some of the biggest stages. He's gotten a humongous hits for the team. He's a solid glove out there in center field, so he can help things along. So by all means, Bader is really the closest one coming back for some reinforcements from injury. But get him back as soon as you can, man. So he's on his way back. Like I said, probably like another week, week and a half. I can't wait till he gets back. I'm excited. Now, what should happen on the roster when he comes back now? That's the question. A lot of people were talking about, well, I was particularly talking about on Twitter. Like, what what happens? Does Peraza just get sent back down? Because that's the easiest thing thing to do if you're in the eyes of the Yankees because he has a minor league option. Not everybody on this roster has that. I don't believe Franchi Cordero has any, and I don't believe Willie Calhoun has any. So if you want to get rid of them, you'd have to DFA them, designate them for assignment. At that point, they would go through waivers, and if they make it through waivers, then they could be outrighted back to AAA and stay with the Yankees. So in that case... If you DFA them, that doesn't necessarily mean they're gone. If somebody else picks them up, then they pick them up in waivers. They're gone. So you take that chance when you DFA someone, and you're really hoping and praying that you could just outright them to AAA and nobody takes them. It's a risk you take. So, obviously the easier thing to do in light of that is to just option Peraza. I don't want that. (laughs) 
especially because guys like Calhoun and Cordero, those are other outfield guys. And if you get Bader back, who's a center fielder, you know, their roles kind of get a little muddied up. You're like wondering what, what's their role? Someone like Hicks too, even more so than it already is. (laughs) So that's the deal with that. But my idea, especially because of how brutal he is, and I just, I don't see much worth in it. I don't understand why the Yankees have batted him as high as fifth in the lineup these last few days at times. He's been DHing a lot of the time too anyway. I would just DFA Calhoun. I really would. Even though I think we've seen a lot of what Cordero has to offer already, you're going to get a good... Like I said, even though it was... it was A lot of the excitement with him was a lot of well-timed success, like the home runs, the throws from the outfield. And that's what you're going to get. And when that's not happening, he's not going to be a great player. You're mainly getting power from the left side of the plate, at the plate offensively. And you're not going to get great defense, but... He'll get a strong throw. He'll get some good range. He's made some diving plays. That's good. And there have been a couple of plays here and there, too, where he missed plays in the outfield a bit because he's not—he's probably not 100% used to the Yankee outfield yet. It's just his first year here. So that's understandable. But he's made his big cannon throws, even though some of them haven't been accurate, but they've been <laughs> really strong, and that means something. Arm strength is a thing, too. But you've seen a lot of what he has to offer, and there are some positives there. Willie Calhoun, granted his chances have not been nearly as frequent. I I just don't, I don't see the point of having him around. Guys like him or Hicks, I don't see the point. He's been playing a lot like an Aaron Hicks. <laughs> They're like duplicates of each other almost. I just don't really see much of a point. I would rather DFA him than option Peraza. Peraza's got to stay, especially in light of... Someone like Donaldson, because if Donaldson came back, the Yankees would obviously prioritize him, whether that's right or wrong. I disagree with it. But they would prioritize him. That's what the Yankees would do. They're paying him that money, he would play. Until they have legitimate reason not to anymore. But right when he came back, he would have been back at third base. He's not back now. So the Yankees should keep Peraza up here to help out in the infield. Second base, third base. Maybe if you want to give Volpe a day off, then you could go to shortstop. Even Oswaldo Cabrera can contribute in the infield whenever you need him to. He can play anywhere. So, you can finagle with the infield a little bit, even more so with Peraza being up here and him getting some looks in the major leagues again. So, I think that should stay, even if it's it's the easier thing to do just to option him. I don't want to do that. Let Peraza stay. I mean, the easiest thing to do would definitely be to, yeah, DFA Calhoun or get rid of Hicks, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Even when Bader returns. I mean, I definitely think he or Calhoun should be the one, either one should be the one to go, but it's not going to be Hicks because they're just dead set on keeping him around. He's making that 10 million. He's just not going anywhere, at least not anytime soon. Not at least until the deadline, possibly. If they could find a way to miraculously just include him in some sort of a trade package, who the hell knows? Somehow, some way. But. It should probably be, and I was thinking about this for a while, and I came to the conclusion, even if it's the easier thing to do, again, I don't want Peraza optioned. I don't. Just DFA Calhoun. And again, even if you do DFA him, it's not a guarantee that you lose him. He can make it through waivers, and you can outright him right back to AAA 
and he'll still be here for whenever you want to call him up again if you ever need him. It's not a guarantee he'll make it through waivers, but he could. So I personally would do that when Bader returns. I would just cut an outfielder, an outfielding option, and that would be Calhoun. First off would be Hicks, but they're not going to do that objectively, so I'm not even going to waste my time talking about that potential scenario. (laughs) I know better than to do that. So I just DFA Calhoun. That's it. I want to keep Franchi around for now because he has done quite a bit on this team in the early going, and whenever the Yankees want to put him out there, I do think there's some value in having some power from the left side of the plate and having some arm strength out there and even some range out there. He's shown that a bit. So Franchi has shown that he does have his aspects that he could help contribute to the team here and there whenever you need him to. So I keep him around. DFA Calhoun. That's my suggestion. But they'll probably, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if they just option Peraza because, you know, he'll get consistent looks in AAA and it's the easier thing to do rather than DFAing someone and taking a chance on them, making it or not making it through waivers. I know the whole deal. But that's what I would do. DFA Calhoun. Speaking of a Calhoun, and this is the last thing in Yankees news before we move on to recap really quick. And again, since not much happened action-wise for the Yankees this past week, it's going to be a pretty quick recap. But speaking of Calhoun, Willie is not the only Calhoun in the organization now. Because on Thursday, the Yankees actually signed Cole Calhoun to a minor league deal. And it can never hurt when you do this, especially on a minor league deal. You can be in the minors if you ever need them, then you call them up. But it's a minor league deal. That's all it is. So it's not impacting the major league roster or anything. They're just down there in case you need them. And it's a good, in my opinion, good veteran presence to have around. You may you may know the name Cole Calhoun. You actually should. If you've been a Yankee fan for some time now, you should know you've seen him a lot, particularly in his Angels days. Played a lot of outfield for them. Left-handed thrower, left-handed hitter. You know, respected veteran. He's had some good seasons. Has some pop from the left side of the plate. He's hit over 30 home runs before. And uh, he's a decent outfielder. So, I think it's a good name to have in the organization if you ever need him. Again, I never see any harm in signing someone to a minor league contract. I mean, you sign an older veteran who had spent the last bunch of years either hurt or just trying to find himself again in Matt Carpenter last year. Look how that's turned out. He's off to a good start with San Diego this year, as much as that pains me to freaking say it. But, I mean, so with that said, if you ever find yourself in desperate need, if you're the Yankees, of another veteran that could help you to just stay afloat in difficult times, whether it be because of injury or a massively slumping team, regardless of what it is, well, now they have someone like Cole Calhoun to turn to if they ever need some outfield help with that. So Calhoun is now a Yankee in the minor league system. Not not a Yankee fully yet until he's called up, but they signed him to a minor league deal. Can't hurt. Don't have a problem with it. I don't see why anybody would. All righty, guys. It's about that time. 50 minutes in. Let's fly through this thing so we can get to the social media segment. Let's do weekly recap and go through this mainly, vast majority, annoying-ass week watching this Yankee offense and the little to no action that took place throughout the entire week since we spoke last Sunday. Yapping Yankees time machine. Let's do it. Alrighty, my friends. So when we spoke last Sunday, we did go over the final game of that weekend set against the Twins. They did win that 2 to nothing. So now we find ourselves on Tuesday, April 18th, after a Monday off day. The Angels come to town. 
and Clark Schmidt started this game. As I briefly mentioned before, when talking about last Monday's game, basically the overall consensus of this 5-2 loss in the Bronx to the Angels is that Clark Schmidt stunk again, and the offense was just awful, leaving more runners on base than we can even care to count. So that was the overall consensus of the game, really. Schmidt went three and two-thirds, again, not even hitting four innings, giving the bullpen no length, and just having to have a lot of the arms just throw again. And fortunately, because of last Sunday's complete game shutout, at the hands of Garrett Cole against Pablo Lopez, the bullpen was massively reset because they didn't have to throw it all on Sunday, and they had a Monday off day. So, yeah, they could have afforded to have covered a lot of innings, but yeah, it's it's never nice when they have to. <laughs> That's the point I'm trying to make. So, three and two-thirds, six hits, four runs all earned, and five strikeouts. So, not ideal. Weissert got an out to end the fourth inning after Schmidt was done, Marinaccio pitched two innings, allowed one run, but it was unearned. Cordero, Jimmy Cordero, pitched two scoreless innings after that, and then Abreu pitched a scoreless ninth. And it opened up right away in the first inning with something that we all could have seen coming a million miles away, and I think we all did, based on how a lot of people, including myself, were tweeting. But Otani just hit just a missile off of Schmidt in the first inning, and right away got scoring started for the Angels, and they just did not look back from there. And the only two runs that the Yankees were able to score were in the bottom of the fourth, when they were down 4 nothing. Anthony Volpe had a bases-loaded walk, and Judge hit a sacrifice fly. And a bunch of the rest of the other innings, including that fourth inning, was just a result of a lot of guys being left on base. Nothing happening. We move on to Wednesday, the 19th. And starting this game was Johnny Brito. I was really hoping that after his last train wreck of a start against the Twins, that he would take that as a learning experience and really try to bounce back in this start against the Angels. In this game, he he kind of did, but he also didn't because he also has his defense to thank a lot <laughs> for even making it into the fifth inning, to be honest. Because... Like, for instance, he pitched a scoreless first, but that was mainly because Aaron Judge robbed an Otani homer. <laughs> so, like, he th- he did make it through four and a third. He only allowed one run, three hits. He did walk three guys, so that's not great, but struck out three. So, not a bad start, but not a great start because he didn't make it through the fifth. So, that's not great. But he did only allow one run, but also it could have been it could have been worse if not for his defense, making good plays behind him. So, wasn't a bounce back. It was definitely an improvement over the Twins start. I mean, it's hard to not improve over that. <laughs> you have to actually try to not improve over that. But it wasn't fantastic. But I guess, you know, maybe a good step on the road back, you could say. But this game had an amazing start to it because, like I said earlier, Judge robbed Otani of a home run to dead center, which was unbelievable in its own right. He sort of blocked the ball from going out, and then he bobbled it for a second and then caught it with his bare hand on the way down. So it was really a unique home run robbery. It was awesome. And then he comes up in the bottom of the first after Volpe starts things off with a hit, a really hard hit into left field, and then hits a home run of his own. So he robs one and then hits one. (laughs) If that's not Aaron Judge, I don't know what is. So, yeah, he's been slumping lately, but yeah, even, even he still knows how to give his moments every now and again, even when he is going through a tough time. 
So that was awesome to watch. Problem is, is the Yankees didn't score again until they won in extras. <laughs> so this continued my point of how awful the offense has been. They did that in the first inning. Such exciting action to start the game. And then just nothing after that. So Brito allowed one of the runs. And then later on in the eighth inning, Wandy Peralta was in and he allowed Gio Urshela to tie the game on an RBI single. Yeah, that's fun to watch, right? The guy you didn't want to go over in that Twins trade? Yeah, well, he just bit you in the ass. Congratulations. So, game was tied at two at that point. The Angels slowly crept back because, I mean, they were only down 2 nothing. And But then, fortunately, in the bottom of the 10th, when everybody was nervous they were going to lose the game, especially after how great the start of the game was, it was, it was very similar. Like, people were just thinking... Like, oh my god, I don't like the feels of this game. An awesome start, and they're allowing the other team to creep back, and they're going to eventually lose, just like that Twins game. On, what was it, Friday, when Cortez pitched well, and Volpe had his first Major League home run, immediately followed up by a back-to-back home run for Judge. I mean, and and then, little by little, Twins chipped away. They took the lead late in the game, and the Yankees ended up losing what was a really fun game to start. So, this game had those sorts of feels to it, which I hated, but fortunately... Yankees in the bottom of the 10th were able to win the game on a Glaber sack fly, so thank God for that. So they did manage to get that game. Rubber game matchup on Thursday, a lot more comfortable with Nestor on the mound. So you just those, those automatically give you good feelings right there when Nestor takes the mound. Six innings, four hits, three runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, and he would get the W, his third of the year. And after him, Marinaccio, Wande Peralta, Ian Hamilton and Greg Weissert, with big leads at that point, ended up holding it down. And again, this was the one day where the offense actually really did very well. Right away in the bottom of the first, Anthony Rizzo, RBI single, Oswald Peraza, bases loaded walk, Jose Trevino, bases clearing, three-run double, driving in Rizzo, LeMahieu, and Peraza. So, right away in the first inning, 5-0 lead, right out of the gate, that's what you love to see. And later on in the game, in the bottom of the seventh, when they were up 5-3, to three, again, Angels crept back a little bit, but the Yankee offense was not having it. It was basically the only day this last week they weren't having it. But RBI double for DJ made it 6-3. Two-run single for IKF made it 8-3. to three. And then in the bottom of the eighth, an RBI single by Oswald Peraza made it 9-3, to three, and that was the final score in that Yankee win. And I do have to tip my cap to IKF a little bit, for this past week as well. See, I, I tip my cap where necessary. I do. That's the kind of fan I am. I just tell it like it is. I'm honest. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> but IKF has been putting the bat on the ball a bit more this past week here and there. Whenever he's gotten a chance. And he's uh, he continues to prove the statement that I gave him a lot of credit for back in spring training. When he was just saying that he was willing to do whatever it takes to contribute, be a part of the team, and help out. And yeah, he's had mostly a really rough start offensively with the bat, but these last few days he's been doing a bit here and there with the bat, here and there. And he's also having pinch running appearances, and and he's still playing in center field fairly well. So, you know, not much not much you could say. He is living up to his word. Whenever he's put out there, he's doing the best he can, and he's playing in whatever role the Yankees put him in. So not, not every guy is willing to do that. You know, as someone like Aaron Hicks has said in the past, not every guy is willing to do that and be that much of a team player. So, you got to tip your cap to IKF for that, and that's why I've never had a problem with him as a person because 
He must be a good teammate to have. It's just judging how he does on the field as a player. You are allowed to do that as a fan, even if some people sometimes make that an easy thing to forget. (laughs) So then Friday came around, weekend series against the Blue Jays, and between the drama and how this weekend went on the field, just not a fun time. Not fun. So, first game started out, miserable game. Nothing happened for the Yankees offensively except in the bottom of the second against Kikuchi when Oswaldo Cabrera hit his first home run of the year, the opposite way to right field when he was batting righty at the time. And that, at the time, in the bottom of the second, made it 2-1 to one Blue Jays. They were still winning because in the top of the first, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Right away, off Domingo Herman hit a two-run shot. But I will give this to Herman as hard as I am on him at times, despite his last start against the Twins being great. But this wasn't that awful of a start, because, yeah, he did make that mistake in the top of the first of Vlad Guerrero Jr. But then he didn't allow any runs until the top of the sixth inning. And that was on a two-run shot by Brandon Belt, which you also shouldn't be allowing, because for the vast majority of the time, of Brandon Belt's early time here on the Blue Jays to start the season. He has done a horrible job at the plate. So it's not a home run you should be giving up. (laughs) But other than those two mistakes, Herman didn't pitch brutally. I mean, he's definitely had worse starts than this. Six innings, five hits, four runs, and those are just on two two two-run shots. Two walks and six strikeouts. Not a great start, but it's not a train wreck like he's had in the past by any means. A lot of it, again as was the theme for a chunk of this weekend, was the offense not doing anything to show any sort of life. And Albert Abreu coming in after him in the 7th and 8th innings, allowing two more runs of his own, didn't help anything either, but that's neither here nor there. Either way, other than that Oswaldo solo shot, nothing happened. And the Yankees would lose the first game of the series 6-1. to one. And I thought maybe, you know, there's a chance that, just like with the Angels and other series they've had, you know, they've tended to lose the first game and then win the next ones. And take the series. But uh, that didn't happen this time. But I thought maybe after this one. But the offense was just dead all weekend. So it didn't happen. But the drama didn't help either. There's a lot of drama with Vlad Guerrero Jr. We know how vocal he's been to the media. With how much he wants nothing to do with the Yankees. He'd never play here. And it's a personal thing. And blah, 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 blah. So... There was drama with that, and after Weissert hit him with a pitch in at the end of the game in the ninth inning, there was drama between Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Anthony Rizzo because after the hit by pitch, Vlad was giving Weissert a look at the mound while he was slowly going down to first base. And Rizzo said, hey, bud, listen, it's not freaking intentional. What's the matter with you? Just shut up and take your base. And that is really the truth. It's 6-1. to one. The Yankees have nothing to gain by hitting Vlad or anyone there. And Weissert's location, quite frankly, was all over the place anyway. And Weissert himself said that after the game to the media. He was like, if you could see how I was pitching, I was kind of all over the place. I mean, even look at his line. He didn't allow any hits, but he walked two guys in the inning. His location was not good that night. So it really seemed like it was the furthest thing from intentional. But it didn't stop Vlad Guerrero Jr. from glaring out to the mound. And hey, listen, I'm not going to be a total Yankee homer right now. I'll admit, listen, he has a right to be upset because nobody wants to be hit by a pitch. (laughs) Nobody wants to be hit by a pitch. But, and they spoke about this on the Yankee broadcast as well, and I, I can't help but agree, objectively even, that not only is that not intentional, it's pretty obvious that it's not, but if you're going to take that long 
to give that guy on the mound a look the way that Vlad did while you're slowly walking down to first for probably what I would say was at least 10 straight seconds. You might be like, oh, only 10 seconds, but count 10 in your head right now at a normal pace. One, two, three, four, all the way to 10, maybe even a little bit past that. That was how long consecutively that Vlad was just glaring out to the mound while slowly walking down the line to first. So at that point, I can't really help but agree with Anthony Rizzo and the broadcasters and say, hey, listen, just take your base or are you going to just charge the mound? Like, make up your mind. What are you doing? You're just like glaring out to the mound and giving Weissert this look. And then you're not doing anything about it. Either charge the mound or just shut up and take your base. I say that even if it was a Yankee. I don't care. That's just the mentality that I have in general after hit by pitches. So I thought that was silly. And if you're not going to charge the mound, yeah, just take your base. That's even generally what Rizzo was saying. And Rizzo's just backing up his teammate. He's doing what he's got to do. I respect that. Everybody should respect that. Must have not been too comfortable for him and Vlad down at first base after all this, but <laughs> you got to play the game. But he's backing up his teammate, and he's just saying, you know, listen, just take your base, dude. It's not intentional. You're clearly not charging the mound. You've just been walking slowly down to first base for 10 straight seconds or more. So you're not going to charge the mound. So what are you doing? Just get down to first base. (laughs) So all that drama reignited all of the Yankee fans disdain for Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, you know, how he how he acts after he hits a home run and all the outrageous crap he does. And and even in the past, like last year when the Yankees had clinched going to the playoffs and the division and all of that in Toronto, but in the first game of that series, when he ended up winning the game for the Blue Jays, he was going, this is my house, this is my house, and everything, and then the Yankees won the next two, and then ended up clinching and embarrassing them on their turf anyway, but, like, people have just, they've had enough of Vlad, because they think he's he's got a big mouth because of that, and the Yankees ended up clowning him anyway, he hasn't won anything, and he's been very outspoken when the Blue Jays get a big win, and hey, I don't mind that, you know, get excited when you win, that's part of the game, but... That ticks a lot of fans off. And then, you know, he's going to the media about how he can't stand the Yankees and he would never play there if he was ever asked and all this crap. And that's just that's just unnecessary noise, to be honest. And then when stuff like this happens, when the drama happened on Friday night after the Weissert hit by pitch, that kind of disdain sort of gets reignited. It just, it throws gasoline on the fire. So that's what it did with all the Vlad drama again. And then unfortunately, he would go on like that night, for instance, when he hit the home run earlier in the game, and then even today, in today's game here on Sunday, he would just continue to take it to the Yankees this weekend. Because even after all that stuff happened, he had the big home run today even. So, I mean, credit to him for that. He's coming through, and he's proven his point this weekend. But anyways, yesterday's game, like I said, they did win 3-2, to two, but it was it was almost a heartbreaking loss. Nothing going on. Between either side for a long time, Cole got the start again. Five and two-thirds innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Not an ideal start for him. He definitely wasn't as sharp as the complete game shutout against the Twins, for example. But you know what? He does what an ace does, aside from pitching great in general. When you don't have your best stuff, you still battle through it, and you still turn in a damn fine start. And that's what he did. Five and two-thirds, still scoreless baseball. Didn't have as many strikeouts as usual, but was scoreless. Didn't allow any runs, kept his team in the game, and shame on the offense, basically, for not having his back. That's basically all there is to say about that. Back up your ace. But they didn't. But he left the game with a still intact, 
His ERA is now down to 079. <laughs> Even though he left the game and they didn't win until later on, he didn't get any sort of a win or anything. He just got a no decision. But his ERA is down to 079. <laughs> As he continues to have basically the best numbers of just about any starter around the sport so far to start the year here in 2023. But... Yeah, Volpe hit a big home run, like I said before, in the bottom of the eighth. Put the Yankees up 2-0 after a whole lot of nothingness all afternoon. Top of the ninth, Wandy Peralta comes in, gives up a two-run shot to Yankee killer, otherwise clueless hitter, Danny Jansen. <laughs> but he kills the Yankees, boy. You got to give him credit for that. He's had a lot of big hits against them. And it was, it was off a good pitch, too. It was a low changeup that would have probably otherwise barely... It just skimmed the dirt. Like, it was a low pitch. It was good. He just went down to get it. <laughs> just stayed into the left field seats. What are you going to do? Except pout and get beyond pissed off about it at the thought of a potentially heartbreaking loss like me. But that tied the game at two. But fortunately, again, in the bottom of the ninth inning, the Yankees were able to put a rally together. They were able to... Start off the inning with Anthony Rizzo hitting a double, then Glaber Torres getting a hit, IKF pinch hit for Rizzo, like I was saying before, a pinch hitting appearance for IKF there. He had to stop at third. Willie Calhoun miraculously worked a walk, and then DJ managed to get that hit through the left side to give the Yankees a 3-2 victory. And then in today's game, I gave Schmidt my credit before for having a damn fine start today, because if not for that Volpe error in the top of the sixth, the three runs that scored as a result of Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s two-run shot and then Varsho's solo shot right after that, if not for the error, those would not have happened. So, other than that, all runs unearned for Schmidt. He had himself a damn fine day. Those by far the best he has looked this year. It's not even close in any start he's had. This is how he looked a few times in spring training. I mean, because there were a few starts he had in spring training that he looked terrific. And this was very similar to those sorts of starts. But, so I guess this is a good step in the right direction, especially against a lineup like the Blue Jays. So that's, that's a good sign. We'll see how he does next time out, if he just goes right back to bombing or if he continues to show further progress. One thing I do have to say again, though, as I've said in weeks past, since the start of the season, Schmidt's got to dump that cutter, bro. He's got to. I mean, the cutter's a problem. It may have worked in spring training, but it has been a disaster to start the season, man. That thing just goes right down the plate, and it gets drilled. There are a lot of pitches that Schmidt sort of just hangs there, and it's very hittable. But that cutter especially, it just it's just not it. <laughs> it's just not it. I believe Varsho's home run was off of it, and it was a bomb. It was a tank job. So, I know that they've been very insistent on figuring out that cutter of his, I might consider at this point taking it out of the arsenal. If you, maybe give it another start or two if you want. You kind of don't have a choice for the Yankees right now as long as Rodon and Sevier are both still out. But the cutter, it's just not it. I'm sorry, it's just not it. It's not a good pitch for Clark. It's not. But otherwise, bang up start. Home runs wouldn't happen if not for the error, and I can't even really get on Volpe for that error because not only, is, again, is he still just a kid on his way up learning, but he's been terrific at shortstop, so can't really get on him much. And unfortunately, that, that really set the tone for the game, aside from the offense being dead for the entirety of the game as well. Those three runs, and then they added another in the top of the seventh on a Danny Jansen, <laughs> again, RBI double, Danny Jansen killing the Yankees. And then on top of the ninth, Danny Jansen, RBI ground out. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Danny Jansen, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and Dalton Varsho. Five runs, and again, the only run the Yankees put up was, I guess, baseball's way of a garbage-time homer by Anthony Rizzo on the bottom of the ninth, which was his fifth home run of the year. So, unfortunate error led to an unfortunate sixth inning. Blue Jays added on a couple of more. And amidst the Yankee offense, again, being a collection of corpses, there was just no hope for a comeback today. Lost 5-1 to one and lost their first series of the season, which unfortunately was inevitable at some point in general, but was especially inevitable if you're going to choose not to hit the baseball because that's usually not going to garner any good results. As far as what's ahead in the week, really quick, before we head to the social media segment, I did hint to it earlier. The Yankees will be heading to Minnesota starting right away tomorrow on the 24th to start a three-game set against the Twins. So right after seeing them last weekend at Yankee Stadium and splitting that four-game set, the Yankees are heading to Minnesota this time. It'll be a three-game set again. Tomorrow night's game is at 740. Tuesday night's game is at 740, and Wednesday's game, Wednesday weekday day game, which I hate, is going to be at 110. And in line to start for the Yankees tomorrow is going to be Johnny Brito again against Sonny Gray, another familiar name. Let's see how the Yankee offense does against him. Won't be fun to see them slump against him. That'll suck. Nestor's in line to get the start on Tuesday, and Wednesday again in line should be Domingo Herman. Those are the pitching probables coming up. Thursday, they'll continue their road trip and head to Texas for a weekend four-game set against the Rangers. No pitching probables for this series yet, but Thursday night's game on the 27th will be at 8.05, as will Friday night's the 28th. Saturday the 29th, it'll be at 7.05, and Sunday, next Sunday, April 30th, when we speak again, the game will be at 2.35 Eastern Standard Time. And that is what's ahead for Yankees baseball in this coming week as we hope the offense gets its freaking act together, right? But other than that, guys, all that's left to talk about is the social media segment for today. And for today, I did have a question for you. Not another Q&A and no poll, just an open-ended question just to get your thoughts on where you're at right now with this offense mainly because that's really the main story of this past week. Just been how dead the offense has been, especially in light of today's loss as well, even though this was posted yesterday. Today's game, unfortunately, provided even more reason to have a question like this today. So, at the expense of the Yankees, which is not what I want, this question hits even harder after today, even though it was posted yesterday. So, the question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about the offense as of now after how they've done this past week? And I basically gave my thoughts at the start of the show, so I won't reiterate them as much. But it's just, it's mild, if anything, because... I'm hoping that when Bader comes back, it'll provide some sort of a spark plug. And I do think that, especially when Judge heats up, because I think when Judge and DJ, guys like this, real catalysts for the lineup, I think the lineup goes how they go. And Glaber is a big piece of the lineup as well, as I mentioned earlier too. So when he gets going again, that certainly can't hurt. Rizzo's got to keep it up. Rizzo's actually been one of the only ones still continuously hitting for the most part. He started off very well this year. But I'm just mildly concerned. Because it's still very early. They'll get guys back. I do think that some of the guys in this current lineup 
will end up finding their stride again. Having Bader back every day will help at least a bit. You can't tell me it won't. Even if he's not the guy and he's not a godsend and he's not going to fix every single problem on this team, he could still definitely be a bit of a spark plug and help things along. Start to turn things around a little bit. You can't tell me otherwise, especially given how he's done when he has played on this team so far. So he could definitely help at least a little bit. But because of how early it is, and I do think they'll find their way eventually, and they'll get guys like Bader back, and hopefully in the coming weeks they'll get someone like Seve back as well for the rotation, even though it has nothing to do with the offense. But it'll help the team overall maybe boost some morale, getting some reinforcements of any kind. That works for some teams. And yes, even though objectively at the end of the day, this does have as much value just strictly game-wise as a game later in the season does, it is still early and there's plenty of baseball left to go. I'm not going to flip out right now. Not happy. I was not happy watching this past week of Yankee baseball, particularly this weekend against the Blue Jays. Not happy for the most part. And I definitely get pissed off in the moment. If I did this show right after each game, you'd get a different mic because in the moment, <laughs> you know, the passion's there. So, not not too different, but you, you get what I mean. Obviously, when you're reacting to something in the moment and you're a passionate person like I am, it's going to be different than when we talk here after it's happened and you've had some time to calm down and more objectively and calmly look at things and analyze things. So, that's all I'm saying. But let's read some replies of yours and see how you guys feel about this offense and going forward and how you're feeling. Let's start off with at go Yanks go 2442 and they say three. I'd say it's about where I am, because I, I did say mild. So if I had to pick a number, I'd say like I'd say like a four, maybe. Three, four. Because the part of me that is concerned is that these are a lot of the same hitting habits that the Yankees have exhibited in years past when they go through really bad times. Especially like in the playoffs last year when the offense was the main cause of the downfall. It's not things you want to see. It's really not, and when history repeats itself, that's when you get a little bit concerned. You're like, oh my God, we're seeing this again, and this led to a downfall not too long ago. So so that's where the mild concern comes from, but for all the other reasons that I mentioned earlier, that's why it stays a bit mild. So I'd say around 3, 4, maybe 4. Up next is at Yankees Lauren saying, you can't keep running out IKF and Hicks. I think once Bader comes back, a serious convo needs to happen. Obviously, Calhoun is the obvious player to be moved, but Hicks has no place on this team. That's fair enough. And that does, you know, that plays a part when you play guys like that. IKF has made a bit of an impact with the bat the last few days, here and there, whenever he can. But all in all, it's obvious that playing him frequently is not what's best for the team, of course. There's no debate there. Hicks, obviously, that, that's beating a dead horse at this point. We all know the deal with that. And Calhoun, I mentioned it before. I think especially when Bader does return, I think they should DFA him rather than do the easier thing in option Peraza, for instance. I think they got to look at DFAing someone like that. I get rid of Hicks, too, because, I mean, it's Aaron Hicks. And like you said, and like we've all said, what the hell is his place on this team, especially as more reinforcements continue to come back, like Harrison Bader, for instance. I just hit the mic. Sorry about that. <laughs> but... Yeah, I. that's fair. That's fair. It's a fair reply. I definitely do DFA Calhoun, though, because, I mean, just envisioning the Yankees doing anything about Aaron Hicks is just a waste of my time. So just DFA Calhoun. I don't think that's a bad thing either. At Pink Ember says, a five. To be honest, though, I have been more concerned with Hicks and IKF in the lineup than Bader and Stanton being out of it. Well, unfortunately, guys like that being out inspires and almost forces the Yankees to put at least 
one of these guys in that we don't want every now and again. Especially with the habits that Boone has to just rotate guys and give guys days off and all that crap. So, yeah. So that could drive up concern mildly, I would say. Yeah, I, I could see that. At Baseball Tzar says, no concern at all. It's 162 games. Ask me in October. Yeah, fair enough. Listen, I, I understand that too because I'm I'm towards the lower part of that scale too. So I, I get that mentality. But the only reason I'm mildly concerned is because we've seen habits like this before. Again, like I've said. So when history repeats itself, it's it's not fun. <laughs> and it's a, it's a bit unsettling. At Bass Drum 777, my man Matthew. I wish I saw you at the game that I went to again last weekend, my man. But I missed you. Matthew says, eight, if we can't do better than Calhoun, then we are effed. Can't say that on the show. We stay clean here on Yapping Yankees. <laughs> so, listen, Calhoun is here for now, especially with the injuries that are to this team. So, But I would still look into DFAing him whenever Bader comes back. So, hopefully you don't have to rely on someone like that once Bader returns. Up next, we have my friend Laura, at Laura underscore Icemont, saying, two, losing Stanton hurts. But we have Bader coming back soon. The offense is going through the ebbs and flows now, all part of the baseball season. That's what I mentioned before. It is part of the baseball season, for sure. It's fair to say. So that definitely helps you keep a more level-headed approach this early on into the season. But yeah, losing people like Stanton, it freaking sucks. So I, I couldn't agree with you more there. Like I've said, when we were talking about losing Stanton last week, it really, it's not good for the team. It's a it's a devastating blow, especially considering how he started the season out. Next is at B2B Seth saying, please. I assume that's sarcastic for saying, you know, what concern is there at all. But I mean, look at the replies. Some people are concerned. It's a bit of a mix of everything. So at MD Nelly, my buddy Mike says, it's a zero, Michael, a zero. The kids are finding their way. Stanton not in the lineup has a bigger impact that most fans will acknowledge, and Boone is still figuring out the batting order in the meantime. Oh, and it's April. Everyone needs to take a deep breath until Memorial Day at least. It's a fair statement. Yeah, the earliness of it, like I said, yeah, it's fair. Again, just uh, it's a little bit for me like a three or four because it's it's looking like a bit of a history repeating itself. So, especially with the injuries, just in general, you know? So... But that's fair. To have a zero, I, I won't crap on someone for having a zero and being optimistic. I'm, I'm not going to crap on that unless it's just completely unrealistic optimism. But you are right. It's, it's still early on. They're doing the best they can right now, especially after losing Stanton. They will get reinforcements, and a lot can happen going forward. It's, it's all true. It is. At Pat Vess says it's always a concern if Stanton is not in the lineup. Judge is in a bit of a funk, which should work itself out. Until there is more consistency, the bottom of the lineup is a concern. Yeah, well, not having Stanton, again, speaks for itself. Judge is in a bit of a funk. And like I said, when guys like him, DJ, even Glaber to a degree with how much he's meant to the offense these last this last year or two. But uh, especially with Judge being the leader of the team, first and foremost, the lineup usually goes as he goes. And that's what's happening right now. So it should, it should work itself out. And hopefully, by that logic, with the lineup going as he goes, the rest of the lineup will too. At Yankee Ken says five. There's too many holes in the lineup. Feels like 2013. 
Oh my god. <laughs> 2013. 2013 and 2014 are the PTSD days, guys. With guys like Eucalyptus, Lyle Overbay, Vernon Wells. God, remember all these guys on the team? <laughs> my god. Those are not years that I enjoy remembering. And yet somehow those teams managed to win in the mid-80s in games. Somehow. Don't ask me how. But they did. <laughs> Still don't want to remember those days, though. But yeah, but the good thing is at least it's because of injuries. So hopefully when you get guys back, then it feels less like 2013. Please, God. <laughs> at Crusaders BBNY says seven. All right. Like I said, there's some concern out there. Let us continue onward. Up next is my friend Spencer at Musician DMD. And I know I tweeted this before, Spencer, but you were actually featured on the Yes Network for today for uh, Toyota Pinstripe Pride. That was really cool. Saw you and your daughters. It was awesome. Really cool stuff. So Spencer says three. As of this writing, the Yankees are positioned to win another series. This lineup can hit. It's unfortunate they can't give a representative performance every game. I'm confident they'll eventually go on a hot streak and make it look like hitting is contagious. Well, yeah, because a lot of people replied to this yesterday. When the series was even up at one heading into today's rubber game. So, yes, I definitely understand that. But, um, listen, there's reason to believe that we'll see another hot streak, especially with as much time as there is left to go in the season. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's part of the reason why I say my concern is just mild, too. It's floating around where yours is, Spencer. Three, four, something like that. At snob underscore of says not concerned at all. Not losing sleep over it. Yeah, no, definitely not losing sleep over it for sure. At Mark underscore 0119 says they're running into the same problems as last year. No balance in the lineup. Seven through nine is pretty much Death Valley. And if Judge is having a bad game or week, the offense dries up and puts all the pressure on the pitching. Just look at Cole's last two starts, and he hasn't given up a run. Yeah, it's true. The one against the Twins, yeah, he fortunately did get the win for that in the complete game shutout. They did put up two runs, but yeah, it was just two. And the one against the Blue Jays yesterday. Yeah, they did manage to pull out the win, but it wasn't until later on in the game, so he got a no decision, despite not allowing a run yet again. You're right about that. And yeah, lately, especially with no Bader and no Stanton as of late, yeah, the, the bottom of the lineup has gotten even worse. You're definitely right about that. It's it's things you can't argue with. Like I said, old habits. You hit the nail on the head, Mark, as far as the old habits are concerned. And that's where the little bit of concern is that I have. It's just the repeating of history in certain areas. That's all. Let's see. Up next, we'll do a few more because we've read what, like, Around 15 already. So, at Tags Yankees says, I'll make that judgment when the team is healthy again. And it's too short a sample size to judge the kids yet. Yeah, fair enough. Like, Peraza especially, who just came back up just a matter of a few days ago. And Volpe especially, first month in the majors. Yeah, it's definitely fair. And yeah, you gotta get some guys back from injury. Yeah, that's what I said. Injuries are a part of it too, for sure. At DT from NJ says, The history has not been one going cold. It seems to be a team event. So yes, that is a concern. Will Bader help? It's not on one guy. Yeah, like I said before, it's particularly with Judge more so than anyone. But yeah, usually when one person goes cold, a lot of the lineup, if not all of it, goes cold. Again, that's another repeating of history in certain ways for the Yankees, their offense in particular. 
But it's usually mostly when Judge, as I said, and lots of other people acknowledge too, when Judge goes bad, we've said it a million times, that dictates a lot of what the rest of the lineup does. And it's not a good thing because, you know, Judge can't do it by himself. I mean, especially as captain now, it's understandable that he is expected to lead the way, but leading the way doesn't mean doing it all on your own. It means leading by example, showing everybody else what to do. But that doesn't mean when... He goes cold, everybody else should. And when he's hot, everybody else should be hot. You know, it should be a balance of everything. That's usually how it is typically throughout the years in baseball. Like Some guys go through their slumps, and other guys are hot around usually that time. Or sometimes the timing's just bad. Everybody hits a bad stride all at once. But it seems to be the deal a lot with the Yankee lineup that when someone's slumping, especially someone like Judge, then everybody else just falls apart. Can't be like that. Can't be expected to be on one guy, any one guy, whether it be Judge or somebody else, doesn't matter. Can't do it by himself. And I think Bader will help, but yeah, he's it's not up to one guy, and he's not an Aaron Judge or something like that, but I think he could provide a spark plug. I definitely do. I think so. But yeah, he can't do it himself either. Nobody can. At Jen Dallin73 says, I'm not too concerned about the batters. After all, getting through the slump early in the season is best. What I am concerned about is Schmidt pitching today. We may well lose the first series this season today. I have no confidence that we can win with Schmidt. Well, there's obviously a reply that was left yesterday. Schmidt actually pitched really well, but hey, listen, going into this start, even I put out a tweet this morning before the game started. I said, listen, I have less, I basically no confidence in Schmidt doing well today, but there's always that little glimmer of hope in me that just hopes against all odds that he could just surprise all of us. I put out basically that identical tweet this morning before the game started. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. But the rest of the offense did less than nothing. And that's not going to lead to a win. An unfortunate error led to three runs scoring afterwards, unearned. And the offense had nothing to say about it back. So that's how it goes. At DB Yankees 1 says 5. Feel like Cashman's decision not to address left field was a mistake. Too much dead wood on the roster. Slightly more than my concern, maybe, because I'm around a 3 or 4, but I get it. And yeah, listen, a lot of people would make that argument about left field in particular, but not really much externally at all added to the lineup. Nothing really external at all. Because mainly bringing Judge and Rizzo back, which were musts, yeah, unless you were just planning on not being a serious team in 2023. But other than that, there were other things that probably could have happened, even just bringing in a fresh face in here, period, and didn't really happen. Other than, of course, you know, Volpe being brought up. I'm just talking about outside of the Yankees. But listen, we could go over that a million times, and we have. So, again, it's like going back to beating a dead horse. <laughs> so... All right, up next we have at NYYSportsFan96 saying, We've seen this last year as well. Cashman didn't really improve the offense in the offseason. Hicks so far is repeating last season. IKF started worse than last year on offense. To me, it's the same team as last year that got swept by the Astros. There is concern in that. Again, same thing about history. So, I get it. You know, DJ's back healthy. Volpe's up here. Now we have Peraza up here as of last week. But before last week, it was mainly just DJ Volpe back. And you got other guys like Franchi Cordero, who's made an impact here and there. But that's mainly because you got guys like Stanton, Bader out. You know, if guys like Stanton and Bader were here, you probably don't see the Corderos or the 
uh, Willie Calhouns or even the Aaron Hickses very often at all. So, you know, other than that, it's th- those faces are basically here because you kind of need them right now. But other than that, it's not too different. You're right. We've spoken about it a million times. So, all right, let's finish up with the usual final two. We've read a very good amount today, it's safe to say. Let's first up go with my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. She says, it's a three for me. Once Bader comes back, the Yankees need to seriously do something about Hicks and IKF. We need killers out there, not the bad kind. So far, the offense has been all right up until last week, but needs to be better and consistent. Not having Stanton in the lineup hurts. Yeah, up until about like eight, nine days ago, the you know team had his bad days offensively, but that's inevitable. But not for this long of a stretch, like the last week, week and a half like it has been. So yeah, before that, it was fine, but yeah, now it's taking a downturn. But uh, Hicks hasn't gotten too much playing time in the last two days, fortunately. And IKF has just been used in many other different capacities, even as pinch runner the other day, as we were talking about. But yeah, I mean, you need better guys in there, no doubt. And hopefully we start to see that phased in a little more and guys like Bader come back and we'll, we'll see what happens. But consistency is key, that's for sure. Because, you know, right in the middle of the week, they did have a good game, that nine-run game with the Angels, but then... They went into this weekend against the Blue Jays and, uh, pretty much. (laughs) So, and yeah, obviously not having Stanton speaks for itself. Last but certainly not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, saying, Hi, Mike. I honestly have to tell you, I'm very concerned about the Yankee offense since pretty much last August. With the fact that we got to the playoffs last year just because of Judge mainly, and the bats are already sleeping now at this point in the season, it blows my mind that we still have to see guys like Hicks and IKF up at bat, and as soon as Donaldson can be back, he'll probably be up at bat again too. Three outs right there. What are they thinking? On a scale of 1 to 10, my concern is an 8 as of now, but would be a 10 if we didn't have Judge. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't have Judge, then, uh, yep, not good. So, but you do have him right now, and you can only hope that he breaks out of his slump. But again, just because he's in a bit of a funk doesn't mean the rest of the team should be. The man can't and shouldn't be expected to do it himself. He should be expected to be a leader and show them the right way, but even he's going to slump at times. He's not God. So you got to pick up the pace whenever he's in a slump. It's the rest of the team's responsibility to pick up the slack, back up your captain a little bit when he needs. So yeah, everybody, Hicks, IKF, Donaldson, we, we know these names. We know... Donaldson's not around, though, so you can't, uh, can't say much. But uh, other than talk about how you didn't like his injury history before, and now it's rearing its ugly head. But other than that, yeah, the rest, the whole lineup, got to figure it out. Again, guys like Rizzo, DJ, they're coming through these days a decent amount. But guys who were contributing a lot early on and were making an impact, Judge, Glaber, a little more offense from my boy Oswaldo Cabrera wouldn't hurt. And... You have Franchi Cordero's timely hitting not really coming through much anymore as of now the last few days. So things like this that were helping the offense along went a little bit quieter. Trevino could be doing a little bit more at the plate like he did last year. And we'll have to we'll have to see. Time will tell this coming week how they do against the Twins and Rangers, right? I think they should do decently against the Twins. I hope they at least take the series. I think they should be able to take the series. They only split at home. But uh, I take into account that Brito had a disastrous start in that first game, and then hopefully he doesn't tomorrow because he's on the mound again tomorrow for the first game, and if he has at least a half-decent start, offense backs him up, then that could be a W. And you got Nestor in game two. That should definitely help things along. I'm always confident when Nestor's on the mound, but again, the offense has got to hit. That's the key. 
So Nestor's on the mound for game two. So tomorrow night and Tuesday could very easily be W's and then flip the coin and expect whatever from Domingo. You never know. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully they win two out of three there and at least grab a split on the road in the four-game set next weekend against the Rangers because the Rangers are actually off to a good start. They're doing better than the Yankees as of this moment. And their uh, their offense has been solid. I think I think Garcia had a three-homer game. Was it today, yesterday? Let me look at that really quick. It was either today or yesterday he had a three-home run game. Uh, he went 0-3 today, so it had to be yesterday. Yeah, they won 18-3. to That had to be the one. So, But yeah, so hopefully they can at least split a series there. If they could get two out of three, that'd be fantastic. A sweep would be even better, obviously. But winning a series in Minnesota, at least split, at least in Texas, and I won't be too unhappy. And after that, they come back home to face the Guardians again. So a lot of uh, AL Central action for the Yankees lately. So, as I look at the time, and we're over an hour and a half in, I think it's a pretty good point to say that that is about it for episode 179 of Yapping Yankees today, my good people. Remember to follow me on all socials if you do not already. Obviously, guys, Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. Instagram, Mike Scuds. 97. Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Show your love on all of them, like you always do such a good job at doing. And if you missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, well, episodes 34 up to episode 179 today. Those are all on YouTube. And every single episode, going all the way back to episode 1, all the way up to today's episode, all 179 episodes of Yapping Yankees are all available on SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, though, I'd like to thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, April 30th, when I come at you with episode 180 of Yapping Yankees, within 20 episodes officially of episode 200. How do you like that? like John Sterling impression. But anyways, until then, guys, you know the deal. Hang in there. Be patient, especially with this offense. Stay safe. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, my good people. And let's hope this offense wakes the hell up and we can see a couple of good series in Minnesota and Texas for the upcoming road trip. Until next weekend, take care. Take care.